Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We want to continue our discussion on the attributes of God, uh, God's uh, personhood, uh, his uh, ontological nature. Uh, To know about God is to really learn what being human is about. God, being the creator, uh, is the standard in an infinite way. But in a finite way, we reflect some of his uh, attributes. So in order to be uh, the human that God created us to be, we must also know um, more about not just his word, but who he is. So God uh, has some things that he's revealed about himself that we need to not only consider, but we need to uh, grasp because he uh, has made it possible for us to get um, a limited view of who he is through the scriptures. In the past few weeks, we've been talking about God's goodness. We've been talking about his justice, his mercy, his unchangeableness, which we call immutability, his holiness, meaning that God is holy other, his eternality in respect to God and, uh, and space and time continuum. We've been talking about his sovereignty, uh, his governance, his rule. And then last week we talked about his love. So today's episode, uh, we want to talk about God's aseity. A-S-E-I-T-Y, his self-existentness, God's aseity, A-S-E-I-T-Y. And this word aseity basically uh, says that God is self-sufficient. He is pure actuality, and he owes his existence to no one else. Let me say it again. By saying that God is self-existent, or if you use use the term aseity, We're saying that God is self-sufficient. He is pure in terms of his actuality, and he owes his existence to no one else. And that's important because uh, there have been over the years um, a misrepresentation of this attribute in some religious circles. God is not created. God uh, has no beginning. Uh, There's a cultic group that says that, um, for example, in Colossians, uh, where it says Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, they misinterpret that passage to mean that Jesus is the first created. That word firstborn simply means that Jesus is first in rank over all of creation. And we find something similar to that um, in terms of the usage of that word, uh, even in uh, Jeremiah where 
it says that Ephraim is the firstborn. So uh, it doesn't, uh, in this context in Colossians, it does not mean that Jesus is created first. God owes his existence to no one else. And I think it'll be good uh, that we look at scriptures uh, through a hermeneutical lens in order to properly understand what the word of God says about God being self-existent. He's eternal. He is self-existent. No one created him. He's always existed. And you may be saying to yourself, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, this idea of God always existing, number one, is shown through the Bible. Number two, it falls under the category of mysteries. And mysteries are knowledge that belong to God alone. The concept of the Trinity is a mystery. We can't unpack how we have one God, but yet it's revealed in Scripture that we have three persons called God. But yet it's not three gods, it's one God. One God who's revealed himself in three persons. In the same way, when we talk about God's eternality, The question that follows is, how can God just exist and he's always existed? The Bible doesn't give us that information about uh, how it is that God is self-existent at all time and has always been. But that's not my concern. My concern is to understand what the Bible is already saying about God and his position in this universe. We, we know that the Bible is clear. God is eternal. God has always existed. And with that in mind, it also brings up this uh, understanding that God owes his existence to no one else. That means God doesn't have to check in with anyone else. That means that uh, there is no uh, appeals court when God says something that we can appeal to to overturn what God says. It's the same concept as when Job is dealing with God. Job desired a mediator, and God said, there is no other mediator between me and you. Uh, what, what we have going on is one-to-one, and because he's God, uh, there is no uh, adjudicator outside of him. So we find that uh, several times in the scripture where different individuals, um, because of what they're going through, uh, they desire to have a mediator but God said, there is none. It's just me and you. And so when we're dealing with God, uh, we have to take him at his word. There's no one else that we can appeal to. And to be, to be honest, uh, you really shouldn't want another individual to deal with you outside of God. God deals with us perfectly. God deals with us lovingly. God is totally equitable. And then I love what the New Testament says, that God chastised those whom he loved because we belong to him. And that shows us that he still has a hand on us. That shows us that God um, is still connected to us when we, when we um, experience his chastisement. It's not fun. It's not always uh, joyful, but it's for our best interest. It's almost like when we go to the doctor and the doctor uh, tells us uh, we need to um, cut this out. We need, we need to exercise. It's not, it's not joyful, but it's the best thing for us. Um, so let's keep that in mind, that God 
is holy other. And because it's holy other, um, he's not like us in the sense that God is eternal. God is infinite. And we are not eternal. And we are finite. And we're living in a temporal condition, meaning that uh, we do have a beginning and we will have an end um, in terms of our physicality. But our spirit, if we know Jesus, our spirit uh, will go to be in his presence when we die. And then we wait for the day when he comes back and ratchets up the church. So let's look at this whole idea of God's aseity. We look at Isaiah 40, um, verse 18 through 28. And it says, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashion silver, chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. So even though man in many um, states and throughout history have turned away from the true and living God and went uh, uh, or or created idols made with hands, um, even though uh, these individuals desire a false God who will not topple, a false God who can take care of their needs, these are not gods at all. The true God is incomparable. There's nothing we can create that compares to, to, uh, to the eternal God. The gods that we make, we make it. These gods uh, are no gods at all. We're talking about small g. The small gods that we create or we fashion, they owe their existence to us. When we feel like it, we can get rid of them. When we feel like it, we can tear down the structure. So these are not real gods at all. These are gods that man have made. And, and this is why this, is, this, this uh, lesson is important because if you look at some of the uh, religions, uh, false religions of the world, oftentimes their teachings change over time to accommodate reality. Well, the reason why they do that is because it's man-made. Man-made religions have to shore up their doctrine because they realize that the, the image that they made of their God in the beginning is not consistent with reality. Think about it. When you study world religions, you'll find this tendency for doctrines to change over time because they're man-made. But our God, because he is the true and living God, because he is the uh, God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the authentic God, the God who uh, sent Jesus the Christ as proof that he is who he is, when he says something, it's always eternal. When he says something, his words does not change because, remember, we serve a God that is existent yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we can count on that. That's the good thing about uh, God's aseity, that, that he doesn't owe his existence to no one, which means that no one can change God. 
No one can make him do anything that's contrary to his ontological ontological nature. Uh, No one uh, can get rid of him. No one can influence him. No one uh, can uh, uh, manipulate him. So that's the great thing about our God. He owes his existence to no one else. He is what we call self-existent. And so uh, when we talk about God's aseity, keep that in mind, that we serve a God that's wholly other and a God that cannot be manipulated and a God that does not change. So let's go back to Isaiah 40, uh, verses 18 through 28. Verse 21, do you not know? Have you not heard? Hasn't it been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted. No sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, then he blows them, he blows on them, and they wither, and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My, my cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So Isaiah uh, gives us a sneak preview into God. He gives us a glimpse into who God really is. Uh, From the beginning of the universe, God has been here. Uh, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and he views us, and he's using this in a metaphorical sense. God views us like grasshoppers, Uh, uh, just like we look down at grasshoppers and how small they are from God's vantage point. Uh, we're like grasshoppers, even though he has an intimate relationship with us. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out uh, like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Uh, To whom will you compare him? Or who is God's equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? And then he goes on and talks about God's relationship to nature. God knows each star intimately. God knows each uh, person in terms of who they are perfectly. God knows the number of numbers of hair on your head. God does not sleep. God is self-existent. He doesn't, he doesn't need uh, anything to charge him up. God is always powerful. He doesn't need any batteries. God is always powerful. He doesn't need anyone to wake him up. God never sleeps. Uh, God is self-existent and self-sufficient. Acts 17, verse 25. 
and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God does this, Acts 17, 25. He is not served by human hands, right? Some gods need to be served uh, for them to stay alive. Some, the, the, some gods uh, uh, need to be um, uh, worshipped in a way to make them relevant. But whether you worship the, the authentic God or not, he's still God. Uh, sometimes if you go to the grave sites, you'll see people uh, leave food um, for the departed ones and uh, the intent in many religions is that um, they have loved ones in the underworld and um, the food is supposed to uh, some kind of way spiritually get to those individuals in the underworld to feed them on their journey. Well, when you worship the authentic God, he tells us that is unnecessary. Uh, number one, it's not true. Uh, number two, the Bible already tells us uh, that once we're in the presence of the Lord, he takes care of us. Whatever we need, uh, he's not going to bring it from this life to uh, the presence of the Lord. So, again, uh, the ascetic concept of God reminds us of his godness. It reminds us of his holiness in a sense that he's totally other. God is totally different than us. This is why we must thirst to know him better. This is why we must read the Bible. This is why we must study the Bible. Because our enemy, the devil, he desires for us to have a distorted view of who God is. No, God is not created. God is uh, self-existent and God supports himself. God doesn't need anybody to support him. God doesn't need anyone to energize him. God doesn't need to drink coffee to wake him up. God is always actual. He's purely actual. God has no potentiality. When God says he's going to do something, he just does it. He is self-existent. He doesn't need any support. He supports himself. And because he's God, he is so benevolent. He's so loving. He extends his power to us on a finite level. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on, and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones of power or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. His self-existentness. God is supporting everything, but nobody's supporting him because he doesn't need any support. God, if think about it, God holds everything together. God is the, is the power source that binds your atoms in your body together. God is the one that's holding everything together. Not nature. God is the one that's holding nature in place and allowing nature to do what he designed it to do. Our God is powerful. And even in Colossians, we see what Jesus can do. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth that's visible as well as invisible. Whether there be thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God is holding it together. He doesn't need any super glue. He doesn't need any weapons. He doesn't need any manly support. God is who God is. He is self-existent. And he does whatever he desires to do. But remember, God can't do anything that goes against his nature. Revelations 1 and 8. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And this is Jesus talking. He is the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So again, I talked about uh, how many people see Jesus as just this meek and mild uh, savior, that he's just a religious sage and he's just a religious teacher and uh, he was born in Bethlehem and uh, it, it's true he was born in Bethlehem. It's true that he's, he, uh, he's, he was meek and mild. But when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back the same way that he came back the first time. He's coming back as judge. And as such, we need to make sure that uh, as we live in this life, that we uh, attain a good report. Now, I'm not saying that uh, we work to get saved. What I am saying is we work because we already saved. So we that are Christians, um, you believed and you accepted Jesus as your, as, as your Lord and Savior and you follow him. And we, and we already uh, have confessed um, the sinner's prayer. You're saved through faith. But don't fool yourself. We need to make sure that our works follow our faith. And that's what James writes about. James writes from the perspective of now you're saved. What are you going to do with your salvation? Now that you're, you're saved, are you going to work out your salvation? Are you going to live out the creeds and tenets? Are you going to follow God's lead? And so in Revelations, we see that he is the alpha, which means beginning. He is the omega, which is the end. Uh, is it, talking about God's relationship to time and space. God, because of his self-existence, has always been here. He's always been here. And since Jesus is uh, the second person of the Godhead, uh, he can say that about himself. He can, say, he can say that he's the Alpha. He can say that he's the Omega. And I love this because our Jesus is greater than any other religious figure you can think of. He's more than that. He is the uh, architect. He is the creator. He, he holds the whole world in his hands. Um, he is the one that made every person that ever walked this earth. So let's give Jesus his due. First Timothy 6 and 16 says, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. I pray that you uh, receive something from this lesson on God's essay, his self-existentness. And I pray that as you learn in these truths, it help you, it, uh, uh, that these teachings help you in your Bible study, that it helps you in your devotioning, that it helps you in your witness, uh, because God is, all, is, is interested in worshiping him in truth. Well, our time has come to a close. We thank you for listening. And as always, we thank you for your prayers. And for those uh, that have given financially, uh, thank you. If you'd like to uh, give, please go online. But remember, 
to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.